Welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. I'm Chris Gould, wholesaling and entrepreneurial expert. The Level 10 Podcast is focused on interviewing top entrepreneurs across multiple industries to identify what makes their businesses successful. Head over to level10official.com to learn about our courses, coaching, and much more. Welcome to the Level 10 Podcast. I'm Chris Gould, your host. This is your place to elevate your business. And I'm so excited to have our guest here today, Jerry Green. He is one of the OGs in the real estate investing space. He's my first mentor and the man who I have modeled my business after. He's done over 2,000 deals and has built an REI business that runs completely without him operationally. Now that he's removed from the day-to-day -day operations, he focuses on teaching other real estate investors through his in-person events, group coaching, and as of recent, he became the new owner of the REI Sales Academy. He's been married for 19 years to his wonderful wife, Joyce, and they have four kids. With all that being said, welcome to the show, Jerry Green. Hey, Chris. What's up, brother? Thank Great you. to have you on the show, man. Yeah, honored to be on. Yeah, it's, uh, we just launched this podcast pretty recently, and you were one of the first people that I thought, I got to get Jerry on here. He's, he's been doing <laughs> so much recently. No problem, man. Yeah, glad to be on, Chris. Excited for you on this. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've been uh, watching your business over these past years, and it just seems like you guys have been really growing exponentially on things. And you, you also don't seem to have this massive army of people. So I just was curious, you know, what's, what's y'all's secret to keeping the team on the smaller side, but then having, you know, so many deals and, and really doing that big revenue? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I get asked that quite a bit, really, on that side of things. And I think a big key thing to uh, all this, <coughs> excuse me, is um, really when it comes to, it looks, it's overall the operating system that we work from and the, proce the processes that back it up, um, including uh, obviously the sales process. That's one of the real big key components uh, to that, Chris. I mean, Obviously, you know, too, from working with me that that's that's the area that I hammer on over and over again. But it's absolutely true because I find that sometimes there's these really big teams. And a lot of times you get a big team, but what does it really what does it really mean to have a big team if they're not really producing the results? OK, and, you know, and also the metrics are loose and people aren't really staying within their, um, what I call their success formulas, uh, because that's a key component. I think if you dial in a success formula, that's one of the, you know, um, biggest key things when it comes to anybody on the team that's doing sales or anything like that. They understand these specific actions create this specific result. And mm -hmm. that's where you gotta stay. Can you talk a little bit more about when you say success formula, what that looks like for you? Yeah, so, you know, it was interesting. Um, this has just been, you know, over the years, but I, what I realized was um, companies that do really well, <laughs> excuse me, not in, only in the real estate investment space, but in general in business, typically have some type of formula uh, of basically specific actions that they take that lead to a certain result. So, you know, uh, for example, like uh, it might be in like in our space, like acquisitions, you know, uh, the acquisitions reps, you know, are typically going to be in a position where they think they can get false numbers, okay, where their false numbers might be, I'm going to make a certain amount of phone calls and these certain amount of phone calls uh, is going to get me to my end result. That, that is a, a, an action that will lead to that. But the real key is going down to the nitty gritty. And that is like, how many offers are you making? Okay. And what is your historical data in regards to how many offers do you make to a conversion? Okay. And that's what we look at on that side of things. So I think it's, it's easy to get those false numbers when it comes to that. So like on our side of things, you know, we, we have um, very clear um, success formulas for each person's position, but every, 
uh, person also has their own success formula. Okay. So for example, our lead acquisitions route, you know, you, I think, you know, Brenda obviously own things, Chris, and, you know, she averages one in three. Okay. So, um, and then other reps might run, you know, one out of five, one out of six, things like that. But we know historically that we can be somewhere in that neighborhood of one in five, one in six, that actually creates a closable deal on the offers made. That's where you got to really focus in on. And so that's just on acquisitions and dispositions is another type, you know, you know, all everybody's got their own little formula that they work from. And if the clearer you get on that formula, the more you keep people concentrated on that, the greater results are going to be and the less time you're going to waste. And obviously uh, what that does is allow you to have a smaller team producing uh, greater than average results. Hmm. The, that makes sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I, what I've seen with our closer, Zach, who's kind of the equivalent of Brenda for you guys, um, at least in his role with us, is that there, there's also only so much time in the day. Absolutely. That, that being said, with a super high performer, someone like Brenda, where you're giving her high quality leads, um, what do you think a super high performing acquisitions agent can do in terms of performance uh, for contracts in say a given month? We'll, we'll just say, because we're, we're in the Midwest, both of us, so we can use that. What do you think for that? Well, a high performer that's uh, seasoned, um, that um, also regularly uh, is in training, um, should be able to average 12, 15 a month. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a good KPI. I think people just frankly don't know what that number should be market to market. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think that's going to be valuable for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. So let's go back for a minute here to your very first deal that you did. Uh, your, <laughs> first, your first wholesale deal or whichever kind of deal it was. And could you walk us through it? Give us a play-by-play of that. Dude, you're dating me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Let's see here, Chris. This was Probably my very first one, I'm trying to think, but this is back in the 90s, man. Um, let's see, I went full-time in 1994, but I started doing some stuff before that. So it was probably 93 range, somewhere around there, maybe 92. Um, so my first deal was actually a deal uh, and I, I what's funny is, you know, I live here in Ohio, obviously, and you know that, my friend. Um, but I actually, my first deal was in Kentucky. Mm. Actually, it was in Kentucky, right across the river uh, in Cincinnati. And here's what's really odd. It was in Kentucky. And it was on a street in the street. Uh, and the street name was Ohio Street, Chris. <laughs> no shit. Don't forget that. <laughs> Yeah, Ohio Street in Kentucky, mm-hmm. my very first deal. And it was a wholesale. That was a wholesale deal. And I'd done it with a, another guy that I was working with. Uh, actually, he was uh, more of a mentor to me. And um, we actually done it and done a JV deal on it. So, um, and it was, pre- it was pretty cool. It was, you know, not a huge deal. I remember, remember the deal. I got a $2,500 check. And uh, I thought, wow. And I guess what I really started thinking about at that moment in time was I thought, wow, how long did I used to have to work to make 2,500? And that was it. That's where the light bulb come on. Mm, That's when you started shifting out of that, trading your hours for dollars. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as as you know, I mean, I grinded for many, many years, a lot longer than probably I should have on things. But, um, you know, back then we didn't have near the ease when it comes to finding information uh, on things. You know, we just couldn't grab a cell phone and just pop it up like that. It wasn't like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting point. Uh, when you started shifting things, is there was there a moment where you said, I don't want to be in this business anymore. I want to just own the, be the business owner, not the one that 
is operating everything. Can you talk about that transition for you? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that if you remember Chris too, man, that that's, that was until years later in the business. It, it really was, um, I think the light bulb moment for me was when I had built this big machine out and I think I had probably 16, 18 people working, something like that. Um, and I had, and it, it, and it wasn't so much that the team, that I mean, that size of the team wasn't so uh, bad, but it was the, the problem, how I built it and how I managed it. And all that was set up about me. Okay. And that was the whole crazy thing. It was all about Jerry totally on things. We were doing a ton of uh, fix and flip deals then, a lot of rehabs. I think we had three to four uh, full-time project managers doing a lot of renovation deals. But the problem was everything was all about me. Every time they turned, I mean, everything, Chris, I mean, from colors to layouts to every single question. And, you know, I was putting the deals together too, okay? So, and <clears throat> I think the real thing that really hit me was, wait a minute here, if something happened to me, this whole thing shut down. If, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that would go without me, okay? And it just, I knew that I had to really start looking at this differently. And I've shared this, you know, to a lot of people before, and I, you know, uh, you know, it, it's sharing this to your listeners too, is that I think one of the big things that hit me just like that was I really drew a line down the center of a piece of paper. And on one side, I wrote business. The other side, I wrote real estate. And what I did is I thought, wait a minute here. I've been all this time over here, just in real estate, just being a deal chaser. I wasn't really focused on building a business. And then what I realized is I had to start focusing on building a business, putting all the components in place as a business and realizing that real estate was nothing more than a product. Mm. And if I start focusing on the business side, then the product side, I can just make it a part of the overall business operations. Mm. And, you know, and that was a big light bulb moment for me. So basically from that, it probably ended up me, I net result was I probably fired 70%, 75% of the team, um, including, you know, best man at my wedding. Um, and another lady been with me um, prior to Ashley. She'd been with me for 12 years. And wow. so, yeah, so there were some big changes on that whole side of things. And we had to clean house pretty well and rebuild the machine. Wow. Yeah, that's some of the hardest uh, things to do is let go of those people that have been with you, you know, kind of building it for those years coming up to it. Right. Percent, hundred percent. And you know that too, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. I had to let go of my, my aunt who helped me build the business and uh, you know, we've still found a way to take care of her because she would have done anything for me to, to get the, <laughs> yeah. to get the business. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Uh, Marilyn, Jerry, you mentioned, you know, real estate being a product and, I'm sure people still ask you right now, why don't you get into flipping? Why don't you do more flipping? Um, can you talk about your philosophy behind sticking to wholesaling and doing a lot of those at a high rate and at high margins versus getting into these fix and flips? Absolutely. So I did the fix and flips for a long time. In fact, um, I think that if you do them enough, it becomes an addiction. Okay, I really, really do. I think people get addicted to it. And what they get addicted to is that it's more of an ego to me than anything is that you're, you know, hey, I produce this nice product and I'm, you know, rehabbing and, and you get addicted to it because you always think, well, I can flip, the, you know, this won't work, but I know I can fix and flip it and make some money on it. And especially as the market is, you know, when the market's stronger, you're thinking, well, heck, everybody's getting this price, this price, I'll push that, I'll be able to get this. You know, then you're really starting to work on really false numbers. You're starting to go out there and work off, um, you know, created inflation or not, uh, appreciation, excuse me, created appreciation where you're looking at that. And the thing is, if market gets soft or something like that, it can change that on real quick because I've been down that when I, in like 2008. And um, so 
I, I look at that and I just, and I realized too that, man, what was causing me one, really some of the biggest stress? And that was contractors, dealing with them, dealing with all that. Look, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? But I know a lot of people, and I hear this a lot too, they go, well, it's coming down to the right contractors and all this stuff here. I get that. But the thing is, a lot of people will go out and then will build their fix and flip business based upon one good, solid general contractor. But what happens if that general contractor dies? You know, I mean, that's, you know, get more but if something happened to them or they got sick or whatever it was, okay, and they're down, then guess what? You're going to have to step back in and take care of that stuff on things. And that's a lot of time. It's a lot harder to put those people into place. Plus, the rehab side is very capital intensive mm-hmm. and extremely uh, uh, and you know, to, and especially today with supplies, the way it is, getting materials and all that. And so when I just looked at it, I, I overall, you know, I'm a big um, fan of Brian Tracy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've studied a lot under Brian over the years. And one of the things I'll never forget, you know, uh, and if you remember too, Chris, I worked with Brian back in the early 2000s for a full year. And one of the things that um, Brian Tracy always told me was, you know, when you're building a business, stay away from the law of complexity. Hmm. The law of complexity is really, if you look at it, it, it kind of goes, what we always would look at and Brian would look at is kind of from a uh, low, maybe two or three level to a 10. And the rehab business really starts pushing towards that 10 level. It's thinking, wow, that's a lot of freaking work. You know, a lot of the management side of things. And it all hinges a lot of times based upon one or two good teams that you're dependent on. So I thought, why, why do all that? Why? That was just my personal belief as, you know, and then it looks, started looking at it as a business that I want to build something that is on a lower scale of complexity. And, and that's why I really switched more to the wholesale side, still buying and holding, you know, over these years, I've sold a lot of stuff, but, Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I just I'm just a big believer in that. But I think what a lot of people and, and I know you've heard this too, Chris, a lot of people look at wholesale and like, oh, well, it's such a transactional business. Well, that's true. But so is cell phones. So is in the uh, business of having cups. It's a it's no different, guys. It's a business. Mm-hmm. That's what people have to wake up on It's a business rather you're wholesaling, whatever you're doing, and you just create the proper overall systems, put the proper processes in, proper people, and guess what? You can create a business. But what I like to look at is not just the business. I like to look at it to the next level, and that is creating the company. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because, see, I can have a business by having a hot dog stand on the corner. Right. But how do you build a company? And that's what you really want to look at and start building companies like this. And that's where, you know, I've kind of went to another level where I started looking at how do I start buying companies? Hmm. So that's a, that's a good segue into you acquired the REI sales Academy from John Martinez. So can you just talk about how that transpired? And then also, you know, what, what shifted in you that you said, I want to buy this business and, and take this over. Yeah, so, so it all started last year, Chris, on things. <clears throat> John has been, John, John was looking at doing something different. He was actually, his focus was to start buying other companies. And that was his focus. So he, um, he reached out to me. It was last year and proposed it to me. And I thought, you know, this actually makes sense because I was already doing the educational side, you know, through like my systems and ops and um, training for real estate investors. And then also I looked at, you know, here I was already doing some acquisition events and training anyways. So it was, uh, I think it was just really a natural fit that we, we started thinking about it. And then, <coughs> excuse me, and then we started working on things that took, uh, took a little over seven months 
to complete the deal. Um, I can tell you this, uh, buying a business compared to doing real estate, real estate's like a walk in the park compared to buying a company. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, a, that's a 10 on the complexity scale. Probably. Yeah, yeah. On the buying side of things. Now, they, you know, so when I looked at that, it, it just made sense, Chris. It was something I wanted to do. And here's, here's what I realized on this, okay? This is interesting on things, is um, most startups up to 80, anywhere from about 85 to 90 percent is, and some, depending on the type of business it is, Lord, but is as high as 95 percent of a startup businesses fail. Okay, so it's, it's interesting when you look at that. Now, when you start looking at this, start buying other companies, less than five percent of those acquire companies fail oh wow huge difference on things wow so what i started looking at on this was all the systems everything that john had built in place and i thought wow you know everything was built in place and it was uh, i have to tell you chris it was a whole different feeling even buying a business because what what i what it was interesting was the day I bought it, within a week, we already have cash flow. Okay. So it's a whole different thing because you're buying something, you're buying a brand, you're buying something that's already functioning and working on a certain level and it's proven. So, uh, yeah, it's a whole different ball game from starting up, mm. you know, and it's even a different feeling that mm. you get when you're doing that. So, um, so when I looked at it, it made sense. The financials all made sense. And, um, you know, we put it together. Obviously, it was a, a major learning experience for me, too. You know, working with multiple attorneys, and banks, and uh, you, you name it. I mean, it was um, a very um, big learning experience. <laughs> but we pulled it together, closed on it here. Uh, it's been less than two months. And uh, we are rock and rolling. So awesome. What are some of the changes we might see as folks that are, you know, subscribers and customers of the REI Sales Academy going forward? Yeah, absolutely, man. So a couple of things we're doing. Um, let's see here. First of all, uh, right now, John's working together with me in the company. So that'll continue for a little while yet. Um, one, a couple of things that we're going to be doing is adding more to the academy in regards to more of the practical uh, streetwise type knowledge of me being a, you know, actually doing the real estate business for 28 years now. So we're going to be bringing more of that to the academy. Uh, we're going to be adding, um, you know, this, uh, let the uh, cat out of the bag a little bit on things, but we're going to be uh, probably adding a whole novations component. So to the Academy, uh, so there's going to be some really cool things we're going to be doing. We just, uh, in fact, as of today, Chris, um, we are getting ready to actually put it out. I think marketing starts today or tomorrow, um, uh, boot camp. We're going to be doing a boot camp and, uh, in September, September 8th and 9th. And it's going to be the only boot camp that'll be John Martinez and I together. at. So, wow. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be cool. So we're going to be launching that. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff. You'll see that we're going to continue to add a lot of this really uh, more of the streetwise type knowledge that, uh, you know, obviously John is very skilled and build up a tremendous system, but, we're going to bring a lot of that streetwise knowledge to to the uh, platform to enhance it to another level. Uh, you'll probably see another thing we're going to be working on is a uh, acquisitions um, uh, BC certification program for uh, acquisition reps. So and uh, they'll be tested. We've got a uh, very cool uh, platform that we're working with that will actually screen all your salespeople before they even, before you even hire them. And uh, wow. so it's going to be very, very cool when it comes to that. Yeah. 
Wow. That's very exciting. Yeah. I, I could see taking John's, you know, theoretical knowledge around it mixed with that gritty day-to-day knowledge of you. And that's going to be an unstoppable mix, I think. Yeah. We're, we're looking at really putting this, uh, pumping up steroids. <laughs> mm. So that's great. Um, you mentioned novation and I feel like it's the most recent sort of hot word in the wholesaling community. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you've utilized that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, Chris. I mean, novation has been around for years and years and years. In fact, it was, um, shoot, that was back in early mid two thousands when actually I first even heard about it on things. So it's been around for a long time, but you know, it's just like a lot of times you hear like with the multifamily becoming sexy. And then now, you know, that's kind of a sexy thing right now, but you know, really here's, here's the way to look at it, Chris. And this is the best way I can tell any of your uh, viewers to look at it is, you know, in our business, if we're in the business of wholesaling on things, we know that for us to wholesale, a property and we would look at it and we would look at it you know we're looking at where up here let's say as a wholesaler up here you look at obviously what we call the after repair value the arc then we know that we're going to take out whatever percentage and rehab costs and we're going to be need to be down here right to control that thing and then allow enough room for someone to come in and buy that deal from us then them to fix up, to rent it, sell it, whatever they want to do. Or if we're going to buy it and fix up and sell it, right? So either way. So we got to buy down here at the wholesale price. And then you got the R, right? You got this uh, up here. That's a retail value in great condition. Well, the problem is we run into a ton of leads where a lot of them uh, fall in right under the R. And what happens is a lot of these properties are really pretty nice properties. But what happens is we can't buy them at a deep discount because they're too nice. So we got, uh, you know, maybe the nice old lady that calls us up. She's had the property for many, many years, 50, 60 years, been in her family. And is just dated, Chris, just dated old color paint, old color carpet, stuff like that. But overall, very nice home, living in it, stuff like that. It's just dated. Okay. Well, the chances of buying that way below market value is pretty slim. But what if we could be in a position where we knew that that property might sell at an after repair value, say of 200. Okay. If it was really nice, but based upon its current condition and the updating it needs done, it would sell for 180. So we know that our chances of buying it way down here are really slim. But what if we could just buy it a little below 180? So if we don't buy it, we just control it. And we control it that way. And by controlling it that way, what we can do then is do another strategy, what we call novations, it's not doing an assignment, but it's actually doing a novation. And an assignment, Chris, on that side of things, as you know, we're just assigning our rights and our agreement to someone else. On a novation, we're not doing that. We're actually replacing the parties in the contract with someone else. So it allows us to do things a little differently. The beauty about this is allows us to put the property on the MLS. And now we can have end buyers that wanna live in the property, buy those as is deals from us instead of throwing them away. Yeah, that's very powerful. Very, very powerful. I'm sure there's some complexities around that in ways oh, that you need yeah. things done. All I did was give you the 50,000 foot view. Right. Okay. Yeah, that and that's why it's sexy right now, especially. What are some of the, uh, I guess, challenges around that, or things you need to watch out for as people kind of look into the novation method more? Well, I think one of the big things that people have to make sure of is um, 
I guess, let me say it this way. Here, what most people do on this, Chris, is they, they like it, it sounds great, and they say, I can do that. But what happens is, as soon as they start to get into the nuts and bolts, they lose it, okay? Because they're, they don't want to put the work in for the nuts and bolts. What they see, you know, just like with anything else, man, they see the sexiness, they see the opportunities on things, but most people will never get the nuts and bolts. And that's where we see the big drop off on that side of things is they, they start going out like, oh, I'm going to make this happen. And then all the nuts and bolts shut them down. Mm. Okay. Because what happens, you start talking to title companies and attorneys and stuff, and most of them don't understand it. Okay? Right. They don't understand it. So you know as well as I do on this too, bro, that if they don't understand it, what do they tell you? No. That can't be done, right? Right. Well, you can't do that. That's not legal, right? All this kind of stuff there. And that's what happens. And so they shut it down. Yeah. I it's it's funny on on people not understanding and just saying no without understanding. I remember when I first started learning what wholesaling was. I told a real estate agent, I'm buying a house for cash. She's like, well, who's your, who's your realtor? And I said, I don't have a realtor. I'm just doing it myself. And she said, it's illegal to buy a house and not use a realtor. Yeah, you, you hear all kinds of stuff. You know, and that's so funny, Chris. I heard you say the same thing. You know, what's funny too is back in the 90s when I started on things, nobody heard of wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't do that. That's nuts. I mean, it's the same thing. It, it just... It's just a different strategy. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. I was also curious here about, you know, you acquired the REI Sales Academy and you talked about how that feeling was different. And, you know, you've been doing this business for 30 years now. What do you see as your goals for yourself over the next five to 10 years? Well, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about that recently on things. And uh, one of the things that I look at, Chris, is this. First of all, my first belief is uh, that um, I got a lot to contribute yet. And there's no way I'm anywhere near done. Okay? So that's one thing I believe. Uh, The other component on this is uh, my overall goal is to build my, you know, continue to build my companies out. Uh, that I have and continue to empower more people uh, in regards to team members to handle everything for me on that and just really continue to grow that side of things and also acquire more companies. And then basically, you know, and my thoughts on that is, you know, I want to build that up. I'm probably going to look at somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or 10 companies that I want to maintain like that. And um, and that is really my main cash flow from things. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, my overall goal with, uh, personally, as I go into that, you know, I look at the business side, but personally, what I love doing is uh, I'm really I get the most satisfaction of watching two things happen. Number one is watching my team members grow and what that does to their life. Secondly, what I can do for my students' lives. So, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, one of the most gratifying things I've had in my company as well is seeing someone take a risk on themselves and then seeing yeah. it pay off yeah. and that confidence it creates in them is beautiful. hundred percent, dude. hundred percent, mm. brother. So I had a feeling once you acquired the REI sales Academy, I'm like, he's got a taste. I know he's going to be looking for other companies. <laughs> what are the other industries or types of companies that are kind of top of mind for you that you're thinking about? You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm like, Chris, I, I, I really like the educational side and I enjoy that. So I'll probably be something else again in the educational side of things. That'll probably be something else there. Uh, with the sales Academy though, too, I have to say this, that we have a lot of uh, opportunities to expand that into other sides of things. Okay. Um, I, uh, I took over every single asset the company ever had. 
So there's a lot of assets that haven't even been deployed yet. Mm. Okay. So uh, we're, we're looking at uh, taking some of that out to help out other people in, you know, car sales or, you know, uh, phone sales for other things and stuff like that. So there's just a lot of things we can help a lot of people with on that. So, so that's an area there could spin off some other little things there. But other industries I'm looking at is I'm looking at everything I look at is going to be based upon reduced law of complexity. Okay, so uh, so I'm not I'm not really throwing out any ideas uh, on companies, but I'm looking at that. And also I'm looking at um, things that have to have very established operating systems in place and uh, it doesn't necessarily have to have a big team. I mean, with John's, it, it was not, you know, it says very good systems and everything else in place that I, I just, I don't want to go in and buy myself a job. Yep, absolutely. That makes sense. I could see for you, automation too, being a big part of, of things there, because I know 100%, yeah. you don't want to be in there pulling the levers on the daily basis. Oh, I have no desire on that. Yeah. Me either. Anxiety. <laughs> Same. That's, that's why I, that's why I followed you and built it in the way that I have, you know, that, that kind of leads me to my next question for you. I, when I uh, tell people that I'm out of the day-to-day -day operations of the business now, which has been, you know, something I've been fighting for, for a few years to get to this point, people right. say to me, well, what do you do all day then? You know? <laughs> and then I kind of laugh and it's that, that I think people that are still in their business wearing multiple hats, visionary and integrator, visionary and acquisitions, visionary and marketing. There's a, there's a, almost a fear of totally removing yourself from that. Oh, 100%, could yeah. you talk to me about needing to let go of the vine? And then also, what do you see as a visionary's day-to-day -day responsibilities when you're not in the operations of the business? Well, I think, you know, first of all, just letting go of things is uh, definitely not easy. And I mean, even at the point where I'm at now and things, I mean, it doesn't mean I still don't think about that. And obviously, you know, always, you're, you're always, it's always got stuff going on in your head where you worry about that stuff. And, and I think it's very natural too, if an entrepreneur and uh, on things too, where we get into this phase where it's like, uh, shit, we're gonna lose it all tomorrow. <laughs> so, and uh, that's very normal for us like that. But, you know, I, I think that what you've got to realize is that nothing is going to change on that until you make a decision to start letting go of that stuff. And it comes down to, you can't do it overnight. And you've learned this too, Chris, it's like peeling an onion and you just got to keep going on it, keep going on it and be very consistent. It's this one more thing, one more thing, one more day, and you just continue to do that. That's what's, that's what really what it takes on things. And you just got to be willing to do that. You got to be able to trust the people. You got to be able to trust the system. And you just can't keep going back and stealing the ball. Hmm. And you got to let people fail. Letting people fail and not stealing the ball. So easy to say that phrase, but... <laughs> I mean, it's built into our DNA as entrepreneurs because we know we could do it faster and better than this new person or someone that doesn't understand it. It's just so tough. I mean, can you talk about that in that moment when you want to steal the ball? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, look, it happens all the time. And I'm sure you probably have that same feeling. <laughs> so, you know, you get that. And it's like, what you have to realize on this here is that, uh, and this is something that took me a long time to realize here, is every time you do that, you have lost probably either months or maybe a year or two of progression forward because you came back and the, uh, sold the ball, okay? And then you don't realize that a lot of times until afterwards. Then you say, crap, now I got to go back and do all this. I got to rebuild all this. Okay. So it's extremely important because another thing too, Chris, I, I see all the time, you know, I, you know, I'm constantly working with people in my 
systems operations training or coaching and stuff like that. And I see these people all the time that are just, they're so busy running at a high speed that they cannot step back and watch. Unless you can stop back and watch, you know, because that's where you really see what's going on. Okay. And what's that? And what's funny is another way to look at it is this way here. When you can step back and watch, you can do something that most entrepreneurs uh, don't know because they're so busy running all the time. Is you start over uh, turning over the rocks. And when you turn over the rocks, you find out what's really living underneath of them. And a lot of times there's some crazy crap going on that right within your own team and you're so blinded because you're running so fast on everything else you don't see it mm. yeah you can't have that true oversight if you're head down you know putting widgets together in the assembly line yourself right yeah that's uh that's a powerful one for sure it's an absolutely powerful one um jerry let me ask you as we kind of bring things down here uh, wrap things up, I should say. I love getting your your response on this one. People talk about the market resetting and you know the market crashing, and it's it's a seems like a good excuse to just not take action and not grow and not keep risk taking. Can you just share your opinion on that and what you think as wholesalers specifically, wholesaling companies, we do if that happens? Well, first of all, I think that nobody knows. Nobody has a crystal ball, that type of thing. Anybody tells you that, they're full crap. Um, they don't know. I don't know. And, you know, I, I just look at it that, first of all, we know things have to adjust, okay? There's no question about that. I mean, it's happening right now in front of us on things. I mean, you have to do something to control inflation. And all starts with raising interest rates. And so that has to happen on things. So that's a natural cycle. And it's really a good thing. And that's the problem with a lot of people get hooked up on it and they go, oh, this is bad, 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 bad. No, it's really a very good thing. And I'm really excited about it because to me, this is an opportunity to go, one, clean house again. Okay. One, it helps clean house of a lot of bad people out there doing the business because I, it's, you know, Chris, it, it doesn't, there's a lot of people that get involved in this business during really good markets and they look really smart fast. But a lot of times it has nothing to do with their skills, but everything to do with the marketplace. So I think as we do this and see the marketplace, you know, tighten up more on things, that we'll see that dwindle away. So you'll see more of the serious players on that side of things that, and then a lot of these serious players, what it comes down to is they have good solid foundations in place, good solid systems, people and components and stuff like that. And that's what allows them to go through this. So, um, so I, I think first of all, you gotta reframe it and look at it as it's, it's an opportunity. And I mean, especially when it comes to like creative financing, things like that, it's one of the biggest opportunities ever on that. I mean, why go out and create a new loan when you can take over somebody's loan that's in the threes interest rate? Okay. Mm. So, it, it, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of the best opportunities out there, there when it comes to like creative type financing. So I think we're going to see more and more opportunity on that, when that comes to that side. And you know, and it's, it's going to be, and that, you know, what have we seen adjustment already in higher end markets? Absolutely. Already on things. Okay. Where a lot of the higher end homes and stuff, some of those are starting to sit on the market a little bit more on things. You just got to play your game right. You know, that's why I've never played in that area. All right. I mean, that's an area to me that it's just puts you more in a danger zone. You know, we stay in more of the, you know, um, you know, kind of mid-level homes and, and below. That's where most of our properties are. Uh, and if you start going in that higher range, you start putting yourself at risk. 
The only thing above that is all the ultra wealthy properties, but those people don't care. They'll buy anytime. They're, most of them are buying cash. So it has no, no relevance whatsoever what the market's doing. Uh, but, you know, play where you understand the game and then double down and do more deals than you ever have. And that's yeah. what yeah. we're, that's our whole focus right now, man. It's just continue to just go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. Um, and this, you know, do more volume on things and continue the growth side because it's, the opportunities are there. And, and, and so powerful in the positioning right now too, like on Chris. I mean, it's like, you're talking to a seller right now where acquisitions before, would get, uh, I mean, you know, sellers, remember the general marketplace or the general public is typically 18 months to 24 months behind the rest of the world, uh, you know, our world. Hmm. Okay. When it comes to knowledge, it is our job to bring that knowledge to the sellers. So if I'm talking to you, Chris, on things right now, and you're a seller, I'm going to position that, that Chris, what I can pay you today for your property is the highest amount you will get for your property at least in the next five years. Wow. It's a big statement. It is a big statement. So, but it's, it's, it, we're going to see that that is the truth right now because that's where it's going. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's going to crash. You know, we got to have this adjustment on things, but it's got to calm down. Okay. Yeah. And, and that means that, that, you know, and if you really look at it, Chris, what it comes down to out of all this, when it comes to the marketplace is two big things. Number one, inventory is still low. Still got a long way to go to catch up with inventory. The second component, though, that affects things is affordability. Mm -hmm. Every time the rates go up, decreases affordability tremendously for your buyers. Mm -hmm. And every time uh, the interest rates go up by one point, decreases affordability by, by taking buyers out of the pool 20% of the time. Wow. So if you look at this, we had a couple points raised here. That means we knocked about 40% of the buyers out of the pool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that means that they are going to have to reassess and go down to a lower, lower price property. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, so those are the big things that are going to drive that side of things. Yeah. Um, I got one more question because it just came up in my mind about hedge funds still buying. If prices go down, rents are not going to go down. Rents are going to go oh, up. If anything. Going to go up. And hedge funds are, I mean, these guys are drooling over properties that we bring them that are at 15% of the ARV uh, discount because they're buying at top of market on the MLS a lot of the time. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, they're buying that. And you got to look at too on that, Chris, is a lot of the hedge funds, it, 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 the big ones play it pretty smart on things because what they can do is they can create their own comps. So they go in a neighborhood, they buy enough properties. They create their own values. Oh, wow. They drive up the price for the whole neighborhood. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And see, they, they have so much capital to work with. They can do that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so it, it's, there's a lot of power when it comes to that. So, um, yeah. So I think there's, you know, I think the biggest thing that we're, you know, is just play it smart. Understand where you're at and stay out of the high-end rehabs. And, you know, I think if you do that, you're going to be good. I think the people that go out there and start, you know, just continue to buy the higher-end rehabs on things, uh, they're going to get kicked in the, uh, the nuts. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So you have a systems, systems and ops event coming up soon. Can you just talk a little bit about what you're going to yeah. cover in that? Yeah, actually, we have one coming up next week, uh, June 16th and 17th, uh, right in our office. You know, you've been in our office here in uh, Miamisburg. Yep. Um, so uh, what we do is we, it's a two-day event. Uh, day one, what we do is we open it up and we go through our complete overall operating system uh, within our company. 
uh, we go through each department. Uh, so it's not only myself and my COO, Ashley, but also each, each department itself. So you get a chance to work with acquisitions, chance to work with dispo, transaction coordinating, all those people. And you work through all those different areas there. So you get a chance to go through each one of those. So it makes it a really unique setting and nobody else really does that. I mean, there's a lot of people that do some things similar to that, but they'll do it with 40, 50, 60 people, 100 people and stuff. We keep it very small. We keep it to around 20 people. It allows us to really be able to go through uh, things on a deeper level. And then um, what we're able to do too is then on day two, we continue that, but then also we do a breakout session where we're able to drill down on individuals' companies and then help create a to-do list for them to go ahead and start building the foundational things. So it makes a really unique setting on this side. Uh, so we get that one coming up um, here just next week. Um, and then we'll do another one in the fall on things. So we're doing that. Uh, so that's one of the big you know, trainings that we do there, Chris. Uh, very impactful. Uh, a lot of our students do that or also will work with us directly on coaching. So, and awesome. uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, just to speak from my personal experience going to those, um, if you don't have strong systems and operations, you have to go to this event. Uh, it totally changed my view of my whole business and, and I restructured things because of that. So just want to give a huge shout out. Definitely was a transformational event. I want to thank you, Jerry, for putting oh, that on. Yeah. I think I went to one of your first ones several years back. Yeah, it's been, a, uh, it's been a while. And I know that, so we work together a lot there, Chris, on a lot of different components, but absolutely, brother. Yeah, so we, you know, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up, man. We got the, that event coming up. And then, of course, anybody that um, is interested in that, they can go to my, reach my website, the, uh, thejerrygreen.com, or, hook, you know, look at Jerry Green out of um, Germantown, Ohio, right on Facebook, hit me, hit me up there, or Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then um, another place, uh, of course, too, is anybody that's, you know, wanting to really heavy on the sales training, obviously, you know, on that, that uh, all they got to do is go out there and uh, look up REI Sales Academy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's great. I would highly recommend checking out the REI Sales Academy if you're not already on there. Um, Jerry, thank you so much for the time. Absolutely. I know you're a busy guy, um, with all your businesses these days, but really appreciate it. Great insights. And I look forward to talking to you again here soon. All right, brother. Talk all to right. you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the level 10 podcast. You can head over to level 10 official.com to learn more about our courses, coaching, and everything else that we offer. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share with your friends, go out there and take it to the next level.